0: On this episode of Startup the Science.
1: Twente Additive Manufacturing is a Dutch-based 3D printing company, and we address multiple applications with our printers. Our printers can be robotic arms just as much as they can be Cartesian printers, and we will apply whatever customization is required to build whatever crazy projects our clients come up with.
2: Hi, Jonathan. You're very welcome to Startup the Science. Very glad to have you today to talk about this uh, very exciting new topic for us, which is 3D printing houses.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I'm glad to be here.
2: Uh, Let's start with an introduction. Can you tell me a bit about yourself and about your company?
1: Sure. So my name is Jonathan Ledeser. I'm the head of engineering at Twente Additive Manufacturing. I come from a mechanical engineering background. And previous to this company, I was actually working in the wind turbine blade manufacturing process. So Um, the company that I was working for was actually producing tooling equipment to aid in the process of the production of wind turbine blades. We were producing or helping our clients produce blades that were, you know, 80 meters long and uh, moving different tooling structures that were in excess of 50, 60 tons. So it was a, uh, a very fun uh, area to work in. And uh, moving on from there, I became a founding member of this new startup in the 3D, large scale 3D printing space because we saw this need and. Uh, growing interest in an industry and we also saw the technology reaching a point of getting a lot closer to mainstream adoption so that's that's how we ended up
2: here so we've we've heard about 3d printing for a while now Now we've been hearing about all the wonderful miraculous things it can do but 3d printing in construction and especially 3d printing houses is uh, quite new and especially it's gathered quite uh, some momentum recently. And we've seen quite a bit of news about it. And for those of us that might not be fully uh, familiar with how you 3D print a house, can you describe the process to us? Is it a massive 3D printer in the middle of a field printing the house or how, how does it work?
1: Yeah, definitely. If you just relate it to uh, standard 3D printing, the, the, the desktop plastic 3D printers that, that most people are now used to, but which uh, 20 years ago, Uh, people had no idea existed or didn't see any real use for it's the similar style of production And so you can have large-scale 3D printers that are extruding material, and that's going to be very similar to the uh, little extrusion printers that you can see on desktops. And you can even get different binder jet technologies with concrete printers as well. And that's uh, very similar to other types of small-scale 3D printers. So 3D printing as a whole is just, you know, layer-by-layer deposition. And letting each layer uh, fuse to the one below and hoping that the whole thing doesn't collapse. One of the differences with the smaller scale 3D printing processes that don't use cements and slower curing agents is that uh, it's a real risk that the print that you're uh, building up can actually collapse. So... Uh, It's actually a large part of the uh, calculations going into coding the machines and all that to make sure that you only print something once and don't have to uh, print it twice. Because I'm sure you can imagine if uh, you try to sell a printed house and you have to print it twice because the first one collapsed, it's not very profitable. And and then uh, going to the types of printers and the technology used for this large scale type of printing. Generally speaking, there's I would say three or four different styles of printers out there today. The most commonly viewed ones are the gantry style. And so that's just a sort of Cartesian three-coordinate XYZ style of printer. And if you're printing a house, then the printer is end- ending up being larger than the house itself and is printing within itself. So that would be the on the large end of things. And then on the other end, there's printers that can sit within the, the building space, So you can imagine sitting within rooms that it's going to be printing or uh, just next to where the the house is being built, and then it's going to be reaching off of that. And there's multiple styles of control for those printers. So if you can think about the robots that you would see in a car manufacturing plant, those six-axis robots, those are one of the solutions which allow you to have a lot of freedom in your designs, in part because you can actually orient your nozzle in non-horizontal directions. So that means that when you think about conventional 3D printing with a plastic printer, it's very it's all horizontal layers. And when you have a six-axis printer or something that allows you more orientation changes, you can actually print in non-horizontal layers and get very creative. So those are the, the robotic style. And then, not last, but um, another style is one that you've seen in the industry used by a company known as uh, ApisCore. And so it doesn't look very different from a crane, essentially. So it's on a polar coordinate system. And so that gets placed in a few locations in each building that's going to print. And it'll print basically a circular area around itself. And that would be moved by a crane or uh, by moving itself to a, a different print location. And uh, I can keep going. there's a there's if, if you've heard of the Delta style 3D printers, it's another style of small scale 3D printer as well. and there's a company known as Wasp that scaled it up to a, to a very high degree. It's controlled with actual vertical moving axes, three of them. and just through the geometric relationship between those, they can access any area within it. So it's a, it's a different style of motion, but some companies, for including WASP use, use that technology.
2: So plenty of options. We can go from yes. uh, smaller to very large scale printers and they can print Definitely. around themselves within the printer and so on. Uh, what kind of printers is uh, Trend Additive Manufacturing making? I saw one of them, in, if I'm not wrong, is called Berlin. Can you tell us why that is since we're based in Berlin?
1: <laughs> so uh, we we like to name the, the printers that we design from different areas that uh, we have some of the, the founding partners. So uh, one of our founding partners, Adam Rumjan, is based out of Berlin. And so we also have the Hoffen from Tim that's uh, based out of Hoffen. So uh, we, we have uh, an interesting naming convention for our printers. Okay. <laughs> and we like to keep a story behind each one. But generally speaking, the way that we at 20 Additive Manufacturing address the printers that we sell our clients is... That there is no one golden standard and that it is actually better to find the best printer for the particular application, even down to the type of house you want to print. So so that that means basically that if you're in an area where you need to be very mobile and set up and print a small structure and then reset and print the the next house right next to it and keep going, the, the time needed to set up a large gantry system, if it's not in a straight line. You can imagine that a gantry system is very well suited for a line, a nice row of houses. And if for some reason the architect or urban planner wants the houses to form a curve, suddenly that plan goes out the window. And so a different printer, for example, our Tilikum mobile printer will be better suited to that style of printing job. Um, Mm -hmm. In the same way, depending on the degree of complexity that the contractors want to be using For example, my comments about the six axis printers, the six axis motion and all this um, freedom of design comes with added cost, which the contractor may not want. So they may be happy with a certain degree of complexity and if their goal is affordable housing, for example. Uh, mm-hmm. then it's it's all about costs and uh, we can definitely get into costs later it's uh, yeah. a hot, hot topic
2: yeah it's a hot topic because i understand one of the benefits of 3d printing houses is cost savings so we can uh, get into that in a moment but i wanted to ask you because you mentioned you know it's tailored to the needs of your customers and i would imagine the customers are the construction companies but still it's such new technology right and um i would also imagine that there's a specific skill set that uh, you would need um, in order to, to manage a project that is based on 3D printing. So how is the existing construction industry adapting to that? Are architects familiar with the technology already? Can any architect become easily familiar with it? And what about construction workers? And how how is it affecting the whole the whole field? Just a, a simple question: How is it affecting the entire <laughs> industry?
1: What is the entire effect on everything? Um, so, uh, well, I guess we'll talk down the chain of the the process. So
2: maybe um, that's better.
1: <laughs> from the architect's perspective, the the notion that you get freedom of design and the the one of the selling points of additive manufacturing for Uh, construction is the fact that you can have this freedom of design with very little to no added cost. So you can be building an affordable home that has a nice design. You're not cutting corners, so to speak. Well, actually you are cutting corners, you're rounding corners and making (laughs) interesting shapes without adding extra cost. Because uh, an example of that is just the the Fibonacci house that our company printed, which um, I would, (laughs) I would encourage any conventional, uh, you know, contractor that wants to make formwork out of concrete to send a quote for that, but I think it would be way too expensive. So you can imagine that the architects love this concept, that they get much more freedom of design. That being said, there's definitely a learning curve. There are limitations, of course. So they need to be educated in those limitations, educated in the process, and depending on the methods of printing, whether it's on-site or off-site, then they need to consider the, the different connection methods, how things will look, and so on. So right. for for architects, it's definitely an area that there's already a lot of interest, and the interest is growing. And the areas of knowledge are some that are already being investigated and being taught in school as well, because they're you know they're they're made aware that this technology is out there, so they're being prepared for
2: it. Right. It's out there and it's not going anywhere, so they might as well learn about it. And what exactly. about construction workers? If we go to further mm-hmm. down the down the chain. Yeah. I read that uh, to 3D print a house, you don't need as many people. You don't need nearly as many people as to uh, make a house in the traditional way. And how, how do you think this is going to, to affect that field? And is that something you're maybe worried about?
1: So I like to reframe that sort of fact into the position of in many areas of the world right now is there's a serious lack of housing and a lack of capacity of workers, uh, trades, qualified people and so rather than thinking of it as you know replacing workers and putting people out of jobs we're empowering the same teams to produce way more housing at affordable prices for people
2: yeah i think that's a, that's a good way to look at it and i saw there are yeah. already some some projects that are working on that one example is from a rural area in mexico where they're trying to build to 3d print an entire neighborhood of affordable housing and it's part of a project mm-hmm. Initiated actually by a nonprofit in collaboration with a 3D printing construction company to, in an attempt to, to end homelessness in, in the area, right? So yeah. that's amazing. And these kind of projects would be very useful in many different parts of the world. At the opposite end of the spectrum, we have Dubai, who is 3D printing the largest uh, buildings in the world. Not, uh, not anything okay. to, to be surprised by, I suppose. Where do you see this uh, going? Is this going to be used more for affordable but small housing, or do you see it be a method that will slowly but surely replace conventional construction and become the way we we build our houses and maybe other types of buildings as well?
1: I, I guess that that question deserves an answer in in two timescales. One is short short term, you know, near future, the next year or two, and then longer term. Short term, the, the reality is that. The machine builders are still developing processes and techniques to automate as much as possible. Costs are relatively high for materials, especially because the the materials development is continuing. There's a lot of different material recipes from different suppliers, but there isn't enough demand globally for local production of these materials. So you're seeing a very interesting recipe, but it needs to then be shipped, which makes it completely inefficient. So there's definitely a very strong uh, movement towards localized production of materials, and uh, an example of that is a a print in I believe it was Italy where they took sand and clay from next to the print, mix it together, and printed a house. So um, that's ideal. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that th- that is ideal. the The issue is that you uh, you need to be passing the all the local building codes. So. If your area allows that, then it's perfect. But in many areas of the world, that, that does not pass. So we need to kind of push what is a very, very conventional conservative industry, the construction industry, towards these new technologies and towards these new ways of thinking and sort of point out these benefits so that each each person in the value chain kind of does their part to, to bring things forward. So the use case of affordable building, for example, it's very difficult to meet all of these wonderful claims of uh, printing homes for four thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars the reality is that that's not achievable today with this technology one simple po- point to, to that effect is that right now the majority of the printers out there are only going to be printing walls and walls do not make up 100 percent of a house
2: <laughs> yeah i was so. going to ask you that so where, where does it stop we print the walls but then you know i would imagine the windows the roof everything else that uh, goes into a house is a separate separate story and that's Fair enough. Exactly. Right?
1: <laughs> exactly. There's, you know, uh, it's. I think it's going to be a while before we start printing uh, very beautiful glass panes that you can actually look through, in the middle of printing cement. Right. So, um, when when a company claims that they printed a house in 24 hours or in 48 hours, they printed the structural wall assemblies in that
2: time. So, so the inks that can go into the printer are they yeah. concrete or what other types of inks can we use? <laughs>
1: I have to be careful with this because when you say concrete, people get mad because they refer to concrete as things with very large aggregates in it. Okay. And what happens is if you try and pump these concretes, it's very difficult because the, the pumps want to have a nice small particle size to, to get them through the pumping systems. They don't like pumping rocks. And so the, the vast majority of the concretes used or the inks used are actually mortars. So the All the right. particles in them the the aggregates are actually you know three millimeters four millimeters. so they're closer to like a grout or a mortar that you would uh, connect bricks with on, on your home.
2: Okay, so that is what constitutes the the walls of a 3D printed house that's the most common material I guess that we would find
1: Yes that's that's correct. They're made to be very very strong mostly now because they don't know how strong is required because there's too much freedom of design. so they make everything, Bulletproof, bomb proof, and someday we'll be able to tone it down a little bit and get it more cost effective. They just want to make sure that the buildings that get printed don't fall over. So
2: right. That makes sense. And I, I read that they do they do last, right? They're expected to last at least 50, 60 years. Is that is definitely. That
1: right? Yep. Whenever people bring up the longevity of, of 3D printed concrete buildings. You have to just get reminded that it's just a concrete house. And instead of pouring the concrete, we place the concrete. So there's right. there's a lot of similarities you can draw to just very conventional uh, concrete construction.
2: So we are not changing the material, we are changing the method of it, right? The method in which the material is being exactly. put into the form of a house, essentially.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: We'll get right back to the episode. But first, a quick word about one of our ADMACOM sponsors. ADMICOM stands for the Advanced Materials Competition, and it's our two-week accelerator program for startups in advanced materials. Our friends at Sonnenberg Harrison Partnershaft are your partner for innovation, law, and business. They offer comprehensive services and solution-oriented advice in the field of intellectual property and technology law. First and foremost, the team at Sonnenberg Harrison think in an entrepreneurial way. For them, it's not about being right, but about ensuring the success of your company. They have an international team of patent attorneys and technology lawyers, and their experience covers a broad spectrum of industries. To learn more about Sonenberg Harrison, head to their website at www.sonenbergharrison.law
2: let's talk a little bit more about the the benefits of using this method versus uh conventional building because that's what's going to open maybe hopefully the minds of construction companies and architects to try this in the future cost we already talked about it so some of the prices that uh, we're seeing online like $10,000 for a house are maybe a bit ridiculous but um what would be a more realistic price and is it cheaper than than um the normal prices.
1: If I try and represent the the cost right now, if you were to uh, print a house using the majority of the different available printers in the world, you're looking at a very similar total cost with added benefits. So you're basically adding value at a similar cost. One of those values would be, for example, I mean, in different regions, insulation is very important. So you can imagine in a wood framed house, if you want a thicker wall, you're going to get bigger and bigger pieces of lumber and that's going to be more and more expensive. Well, if you want a 3D printed wall that is 20 centimeters thick or 30 centimeters thick or 50 centimeters thick, all you're choosing is where to place your concrete. You're not really changing the amount of concrete you place. So you're you're getting these benefits of sustainability and performance out of your house and your envelope without the additional cost to the structure. So there's that added value. And obviously, that added value is gonna to continue to increase as people figure out ways to replace certain processes and integrate them into the, the printing uh, process itself. An example of that would be, so we were talking about windows and, and things like that, but we can be printing window openings and areas for plugs. And so these are processes where the the worker may not need to go back and cut open openings or pass cables and things because you can have certain trades working while the printer is actually doing its job. So you're used to kind of having trades do their job, leave, and the next groups come in. Well, a 3D printed house, much more effort goes into the design phase so that you're coordinating all aspects and integrating as much as possible into the duration of printing so that you're getting a much more efficient and a a shorter timeframe of building So it is definitely faster. And because your model is not a paper space model and you're actually 3D modeling it completely, you can have all your routings for circuits, for electrical, plumbing, et cetera, and know exactly where it is. And if you're building 20 homes of the exact same type, you can get to a point where you can have predetermined lengths of of wires, hoses, plumbing, uh, everything you can think of. That that matches exactly the model because your printer will exactly match the model as well.
2: That not only saves um, time and you know energy and a lot of. Uh patience of people living in the houses who see the wall built and then destroyed because some wires need to go in. But I would imagine it's also good in terms of um, um, of the sustainability cost of a house, because you're also wasting fewer materials. And I would imagine sustainability is a big part of 3D printing houses. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Is it a more sustainable method than how we're currently building?
1: Yeah, definitely. So obviously, sustainability is very important. And waste is a large factor in that. The process of additive manufacturing and the the sort of targeted deposition of the materials exactly where you need it really helps in that respect. Uh, One of the areas when you're comparing to conventional construction, for example, where you're building formwork out of wood and different materials and having to assemble it, disassemble it, and you might use it for six or seven projects and you'll have to throw it away because this or that is broken. Um, There's a waste of construction tooling, essentially, uh, on a per-project basis, and the extruded material just goes exactly where it needs to be, whether it ends up being the final product or it's just acting as formwork, left-in-place formwork you're using exactly as much as you plan. There's, uh, you know, very little extra waste.
2: That that sounds good. I have a lot mm-hmm. of uh, cement left in my house from construction. From yeah. and, yeah, and we're wondering what to do with it now.
1: <laughs> yeah. And also, um, because the process is relatively well-defined and the amount of waste, which is small, but there is, you know, you, you can't have zero waste because the it's known. You can also have very interesting ways of using the little bits of leftover. So. You can create little uh, tile molds and you can have a side project to have a little walkway of you know custom made uh, tiles that, that are poured with the, the leftover materials. And uh, on the aspect of, again, sustainability, it's definitely when you bring up cement as uh, a sustainable material, that's kind of an oxymoron. Unfortunately, that's just the material that is available globally today. It's the way that the production chain is is built up. It doesn't mean that that's the way it needs to be for the future. It's just what's available today. So um, very large uh, multinational companies have 3D printing recipes. And we we talk to, at Twente Additive Manufacturing, we talk with many, and we try to talk to all of them if we could. And we emphasize to all of them the importance that our clients are always bringing up the CO2 emissions and saying, you need a greener solution. You need a greener material. You need to find ways of reducing the amount of uh, cement and replacing it with different things, uh, whether it's recycled components from pre-existing concrete or different replacements, geopolymer replacements and so on. And they are doing that. Uh, They are coming up with uh, better and better recipes and finding ways to reduce CO2 emissions from the concrete. So, you know, I can't say today that it's the material is green, but it's definitely heading in that direction. And when you think about printing with 30, 40, 50% less material, you're you're getting a big savings out of that in areas where it's already being used to a higher degree.
2: From what you're saying, I'm thinking that the future of construction looks like we're all going to be 3D printing our homes. Um, but I'm also guessing it won't happen that, that fast, right? Maybe 20%, 30% of houses will be 3D printed by 2030 or so. But I think if we dig a little deeper into those numbers, we see that's not exactly what that means. So maybe you can paint a picture of the future for us a bit.
1: Yeah, for, for sure. I guess to, to put that into context, there's you know between 50 and 100 3D printed homes in the world right now. And there's millions of homes being built you know uh, each week or uh, s- something to that effect. The, the construction industry as a whole is gigantic uh, on the global scale. And uh, 3D printing for that application is a very, very tiny portion of that. Certain jurisdictions, and this has really helped the industry grow, such as um, Dubai, have sort of um, made the statement that 25% of building components in their buildings should be 3D printed. And yeah, that's that's the point that perhaps I, I can help clarify. Um, some people might understand that as a quarter of all buildings should be completely 3D printed, but that's not the case. It's It's not realistic to say that you're going to be printing your plumbing And printing your electrical and printing your windows. What what they're saying is that the aspects that are uh, able to be addressed through additive manufacturing in the the buildings in in Dubai should be addressed with additive manufacturing. So there's plenty of room to grow, but also plenty of time to grow. It's it's not going to be overnight.
2: It's, it's a long-term project. Definitely. And from the perspective of, of your company, what um, what areas will you be focusing on most? Where do you see most potential? Are you looking at printing components or hoping to print the entire house or I should say the walls of the house for now? Mm-hmm. Or um, what are you going to be focusing on in the next, let's say, five to 10 years because this is a, a long-term vision project? Yeah.
1: Primarily, we're, we're a machine-building company. We're a technology-driven company. So... We like to find the, the applications that our clients want to uh, attain and we're building and adapting our printers to be suitable to that application. There is right now a very high demand, probably from some of these clickbait videos about $4,000 homes. And we get you know 50 to 100 emails every day saying, can you print my home here, please? Unfortunately, it, it doesn't really work that way yet. It's very nice to see the interest, though, and the interest hopefully will uh, help introduce more knowledge publicly so people can be more aware of the, the realities of the technology. But since we are more of a technology-driven company, we're interested in the different processes that can be automated. That means um, the placing of reinforcement, for example, in your walls, because it that is another topic that that comes up with any conventional contractor that is looking at additive manufacturing, one of the very first questions they ask is, where's the rebar? That placement of reinforcement is an area where we like to be working and many uh, other 3D printing companies are trying to find the best solutions to to get that into the walls. As well, we are working very, very um, strongly and in collaboration with, I would say, the majority of 3D printing companies towards a standard and ISO standard for the process of additive manufacturing in construction and infrastructure. We see the, the regulations catching up as a very important point towards more general adoption of the technology because one of the roadblocks that all contractors hit when they try to build a 3D printed home is educating the local jurisdiction on what is okay and what is not okay, and convincing them that it will either pass their building code or pass an equivalency. And so uh, right now, it's more ad hoc showing them pre-existing projects and telling them that they were designed by uh, well-known engineering firms and what have you. But once we get these standards, ISO standards out, um, it's much easier to communicate that your company is following an, an international standard for This process and therefore, it's going to be able to meet the uh, local requirements more easily. Yeah, so residential homes is a huge application and there's huge demand. We see that as an area. And then there's actually infrastructure and smaller component printing because there's way more than uh, concrete homes out there in the world. There's concrete used in bridges, in uh, staircases, in uh, culverts, in different infrastructure and utility projects. So the, the applications are quite endless. And the benefit of a 3D printer is it doesn't really matter what you want to print. It just has to fit in the space that you have a build volume for. So
2: Right. So we can imagine more residential homes and more infrastructure as well and more parts of buildings being built. Could we Definitely. imagine, do you think, if we if were to uh, just keep dreaming, uh, could we imagine also other inks being used? You were mentioning uh, glass. Maybe that's a bit too far into the future. But I know that some companies are working, for example, on um, I'm not sure if to use it as an ink for 3D printing, but they're working on a wood paste um, that mm-hmm. could be used for different applications. Could we imagine 3D printing a wooden house at some point, do you think?
1: Definitely. Uh, it's it's of course, you know, it's actually goes back to the building codes and the the local regulations. Technically speaking, you could come up with a process to print anything right? In the same way that small-scale printers are printing with a multitude of of materials, the same can be said for these large-scale printers. We Mm -hmm. have tended to use the definition of these large-scale as 3D concrete printers, but in reality, they're 3D construction printers. And if a certain company comes up with a formulation of, uh, you know, waste wood or wood chips and uh, a good binding and curing agent, then that's going to work just fine there's an example in California known as Mighty Buildings that is using a UV curable ink and so that's using uh, I think it's limestone or a different type of uh, ground up rock and using a different process altogether so the options are endless there's there's I'm very curious myself where where this industry is going to go because there are so many developing technologies so many developing materials and a growing list of very motivated people and companies uh, to help push it.
2: Yeah, and you're you're one of them, so we're hoping to, to see <laughs> your company also uh, be very successful in this field. And yeah, we're definitely going to keep following uh, this trend, see what happens. Right now, every time there's any news about it, it seems like it's an experiment almost or like a prototype. It'll be interesting to see when this becomes, um, I don't know if the norm, but when it becomes a very normal way of, of building. And so mm-hmm. hopefully within our lifetimes, we, we get to witness that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I- I would encourage people just to, to educate themselves as much as they can, search out the media about it, search out the information. There's a growing there's a ton of information in academia about it. Of course that can be a little dry as a <laughs> source of of research, but there's there's also a lot of, you know, videos and uh YouTube YouTube content and and other methods of, of finding out about this technology. When people are are more informed about the technology, it makes it much easier for them to communicate with these 3d printing uh, companies and the 3d printing machine builders and can really help the the industry move forward as well as people that are in areas of approval in the you know permitting office please be open and and research these topics because it's a whole new technology and has a completely different way of addressing these needs so it may not fit in the nice boxes that were uh, written down 50 or 100 years ago but its applications are going to by far exceed what's previously achievable.
2: Yeah, and there there is a quite a bit of content out there if people want to inform themselves. I was watching some YouTube videos before this recording, but uh, I'm pretty sure among our audience there are some people that would rather read the academic papers actually. I have I have a feeling <laughs> we might have we might have both. Before we uh, we say goodbye for today, I wanted to ask you if you had a wish for, for your company right now, if there's something that um, you wish could happen in the near future for Twente additive manufacturing, what would that be? Are you looking for investment, additional customers, partners? What's one um, kind of call for, for action you'd like to have?
1: Well, I mean, generally speaking, we really pride ourselves on working with uh, as many of the the other companies in the 3D printing space as possible. So whether that's the the machine builders, uh, the operators, or the materials manufacturers. So if if you feel you have a new material, even if it's wood based or or other, or a uh, a, a new mix design that that you feel is going to outperform what's available in the market, we're we're happy to talk to you. In the same space projects, we we get a lot of interest. And unfortunately, a lot of interest doesn't always mean with a lot of funding behind for their projects. So um, definitely, you know, those larger organizations that are interested in achieving these affordable housing projects and um, other things that that have their funding lined up, we're ready to print. We're ready to, to get printers out the door and get these projects made.
2: Good. I'm hoping someone, someone is listening. And if anyone wants to just buy a printer and build their own house, should they stop emailing you or can they, can they continue?
1: <laughs> they are very welcome to keep emailing us. We're, we're happy to assist and help them walk down the path towards getting a, a house printed. <laughs>
2: that sounds good. So we'll see how many emails you get now If people wanting <laughs> to, to start 3D printing their house tomorrow. <laughs> sounds good. Jonathan, thank you so much for, for being with us today. And we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye out for the 3D printing construction world and keep our fingers crossed that it becomes a big success.
1: Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Thanks for listening to Startup the Science. If you'd like to learn more about our podcast, head to www.enum.berlin slash startup the science. You can also follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. If you'd like to leave us a message or ask us or our guests any questions, send us a DM or leave us a message on our website. We would love to hear from you. Stay tuned for our next episode coming soon.